Good morning. Good morning. It's good to have all of you here today. Um, and um, on behalf of the Transitions of Life team, uh, we would like to welcome you and thank you for coming to our lecture by our very own Greg Holman. Um, and as most of you know, um, not only does Greg have his master's in theological studies, but he is also a distinguished doctor of the body. Um, and in case you weren't aware, uh, Greg is the Mary Lowell Leary Emeritus Professor of Medicine, Infectious Diseases, and Molecular Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics. He is the Distinguished Investigator of Mayo Clinic. He is the Director of Mayo Vaccine Research Group and Editor-in-Chief of Vaccines. Um, but Greg is here today um, to educate us on how to live to 100 with an emphasis on cognitive health. Um, and at the end of Greg's lecture, there will be an opportunity for questions and answers, at which time uh, we will be having runners who will be bringing you a microphone. Um, so please do use that because we are live streaming this and we would like the people that are hearing it um, on live stream to be able to know what kinds of questions you guys are asking. Um, and, um, and then I will um, close this out at the end uh, to let you know about another exciting opportunity that we will have in February. Um, and then I'll close this out with prayer at that time. Um, but before we begin, uh, we would like to recognize and thank those on the Life of Transitions team that make these lectures possible. Uh, and beginning with Sue Ellison, Suzanne Whitney, Becky Ham, Jill Bosman, Nancy Diller, and of course, Pastor John. And I also want to let you know um, that we will be having light, light refreshments afterwards. And I don't know if there's any visitors here or not, but if there are, we do have restrooms in the hallway towards the left there. Um, all right, Pastor Patrick, would you mind opening us up in prayer? Thank you, Greg. <laughs> I'm Patrick Womack, and I am just glad to be here. Um, so today, uh, How to Live to Be 100, Disclosure sponsored by the Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> no, I'm glad to have all of you here. And uh, knowing Greg's heart, that he won't just be talking to us about uh, subject matter as uh, a lecture, but this is ministry and an opportunity our church has to, uh, to minister. So we're grateful that we have someone so well qualified among us to be able to do this. Thank you, Eugene Boat. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your blessings, that you are the great physician. And thank you that our speaker among us recognizes that as we all look to you and ask you to direct us in our thinking and our habits and the way that we live our lives, not simply that we would look toward longevity, but that we might look toward eternity, as you have made provision for us through the Lord Jesus, so that it's not wishful hope, but a sure and certain accomplishment. So in the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask your blessing on this time that you will help us, that we'll be instructed, more knowledgeable, that we might live our lives in fullness of joy 
Well, good morning, everybody. The, the desire of the pulpit and the dread of the pew is, is that uh, the, the preacher might speak for an hour. So this is glorious to me. <laughs> this, is, um, this is an unusual discussion that we're going to have today. So we're going to talk about living to 100. Um, I'm going to be 80 uh, in, in another 12 years. <laughs> God willing. You have to pause there. <laughs> Patrick, that's when you were supposed to go. <laughs> and we're going to talk about not only taking care of your body, but of your brain, because they're so interrelated. So um, a few disclosures. This is a general discussion. I'm not giving any of you individual medical device. Okay, there, I said it. The attorneys will be happy. Before starting any of the uh, stuff that I recommend to you, talk to your doctor and get a physical exam. You don't want to be motivated and decide, I'm going to go out this afternoon and run a mile. And the other thing, and this is the hard part, I've spent hours thinking about this and Despite the admonition of my wife, I have about 90 slides. Many of them are graphical, but there is simply no way to make this material useful and simple. It's got a lot of nuances, in part because what I have to do is strip away the things that uh, consciously, unconsciously, inadvertently, that you've picked up and incorporated as fact rather than what does the evidence show. And that's, that's sometimes hard to uh, deal with. Groucho Marx said it well, anyone can get old, all you have to do is live long enough. So <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to teach you how to live long enough. Um, as I said, it, it's a tough talk. Um, I know when I've spoken on this before, the topic, it also, as I said, kind of forces you to confront your epistemology. There's a big word there of how do you determine what truth is? Um, and then use this for information and motivation to make changes. And maybe part of that is you cannot deny yourself to health. Okay? So the things I'm gonna teach you are hard things to do. All right, uh, William Dawson said this, the life that conquers is the life that moves with a steady resolution and persistence toward a predetermined goal. So we've thought about what our goal is. Those who succeed at those goals are those who have thoroughly learned the immense importance of plan in life and the tragic brevity of time. The fact is we're all gonna die. We don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know under what conditions, but we do know as believers, we do know that that will be a glorious moment. I have attended, it's not that I keep exact track, but maybe around a thousand deaths or so. And I will tell you that believers die differently than non-believers. I've never seen a, a believer where it became obvious that this person was a believer. I've never seen them die with anything other than a smile on their face. I once watched uh, this one guy die, and he was, he was talking about Jesus and all of, the, all of 
Lucien qui s'est dit, il a dit, yes, Jesus, and then passed away. That is not how non-believers die. They often die screaming and in pain and fearful. Um, you've heard about some of these, you know, billion billionaires who are spending millions of dollars a year trying to do what's called biohacking, um, who are willing to spend all kinds of money to freeze their DNA, uh, just all kinds of crazy things that are happening. So let's get right into it. Reality is you're issued one brain and one only. Medical science currently has no way to replace or repair that, unlike some other organs. And brain health determines almost everything about your life, the quality of your life, your independence, your longevity, the moral being, take care of your brain. And the goal is long, independent living, high quality life. So brain health, if we made a simple equation, is the sum of physical health, mental health, and believe it or not, spiritual health. And I'll show you some data about that later in the talk. So there are three components here about your brain health and about your body health. What you choose, what happens, in the culture we would call it an accident or bad luck, and genetics. So all three of those play a part. Nothing you really can do about genetics, nothing you can really do about things that happen outside of you, but you have every choice when it comes to the first one, what you choose. Now, the other thing that I think is um, kind of sad in a way is that, as, as all of us know here, I'm trying to, I must be at least among the younger of everybody in this room, um, there is ageism, sometimes blatant ageism. Actually, I see a few of the ladies that are younger than, than I am. <laughs> We've come to accept normal, quote unquote, aging as a continual and negative decline. It is not that way in other cultures. And we don't realize that because we're, we're so surrounded by this. You look at the marketing, everything about marketing is toward, you know, the young, beautiful. I, I hear, in fact, I work with one woman who she kind of says this, but smiles. She said, oh, if you could have known me when I was young and beautiful. And she pairs the two together, not really understanding what beauty is in many ways. This is a, a real perverse, I chose those words carefully, this is a perverse distortion um, of, of marketing and of youth and of as a result, we tend to start ad ad adopting old habits. Let me give you an example. Were I blind, I could, if I sat down next to you, I can pretty much tell your age by the <coughs> or whether you put your hand on your hip to push yourself, your leg to push yourself up, to stand up. Those are old habits that we get because we saw old people do them. And then we start 
uh, adapting them. There's nothing about physiology that requires that. Our lifestyle choices are aging us rapidly and killing us, especially our kids. You may not be aware that in the younger generation, there is, a, um, there is much hand-wringing in the medical profession over the epidemic of lethal cancers in young people. And very likely, we think, it has to do with dietary choices and exposure early in life to what we did not get exposed to, which is the, the preponderance of chemicals and toxins in our environment. There is, for example, no such thing as, quote, clean water anymore. You ingest microplastics, toxins. If you, as I will, drink some of this water, this water has detectable levels of antibiotics, estrogens, and antidepressants. Why that? Because those are among the most common drugs taken. Not taken in other cultures, but they are taken in this culture. And again, it need not be this way. Aging can be a very positive experience. Other than some low back and hip pain, I, I would not want to go back and be 20 again. I, I really wouldn't. I mean, would I, did you ever see that movie Cocoon where they got in the water and you know they didn't have aches and pains? I'd love to not have aches and pains. But think about from a wisdom point of view and what you were doing at those ages. I'm glad to be away from that. So I take that as a positive. The other thing is that there are many great things about getting old. It's just that we don't know what they are. You're allowed to laugh. All right. What do you think? This man is 95 years old, and his wife is old too. I don't know if you recognize that from the Song of Zechariah. Um, why? Why is he 95 years old? Well, let me introduce you to him. <clears throat> this is Rizzo. He's 95. He starts every day. He never fails with a walk. He walks about 7,000 steps at least 30 to 60 minutes every day, followed by strength and balance exercises. Do you, do you know why the primary reason why people end up in a nursing home? What we would call, yeah, falls and frailty. And in fact, as I'll tell you uh, in, in a bit, only 30% of women age 65 and older can take a 15-pound weight and lift it laterally like that. So they become frail and they fall. They can't take care of themselves even when they're compus mentis. And so they end up in uh, you know, an alternative living uh, condition. He naps daily. He eats healthy food. He does it in a social setting. And he has what's called ikigai, or a sense of purpose. If any of you have watched the Blue Zone series on Netflix, you'll see some of that. And he's a, he's a, he and his wife are a great demonstration of that. Now, the Japanese are the longest-lived people um, in, in the world, and there's some lessons to take from that. Now, what some of you are thinking is, okay, Doc, I don't want to live to 100 and be 20 years uh, in the nursing home. And that, that is not the goal. The goal is compression of morbidity and mortality. So if you look at the top 
uh, thing? I, I can't quite see it, but you can. If you look at the top one, this is what happens now. People get older, and then they have a prolonged, generally, um, time of uh, lack of independence. <clears throat> Life extension would just mean that we lengthen that period of morbidity before you would finally die. What we want is compression of morbidity and mortality so that you live longer, but that time of lack of independence, which by the way is biblical, what does the Bible say? The time will come when you will be taken by the hand and led to where you don't want to go. Um, they didn't have nursing homes back then that I know of, but it's to compress that time period. And that's what I'm going to speak to today and try to teach you about. Now, normal aging versus abnormal aging. It's normal that it's a little slower in thinking, a little slower in doing, maybe a little more hesitancy. But we're more likely to be wise, to look before we leap. It's normal to know the person but not the name, okay? I don't forget faces. In fact, if somehow 10 years, I, I, I disappeared for 10 years and came back to Bay, just because of the way my brain is uh, uh, wired, I would know, even though I don't memorize it, if you changed your hairstyle or you changed your glasses. I would know. My brain just knows, remembers stuff like that. But I wouldn't remember your name. <laughs> um, pausing to find words and thinking of the past a lot. All of that is normal. What isn't normal is when you can't think the same or do like you used to do, can't get started or don't think things out or can't even place a person. Some of that's normal when it's, you know, sort of it. This happened to uh, uh, Gene and I. We were uh, over in Europe and we were at Dachau and somebody came up to me and said, Dr. Poland, it's like, totally not expecting that. It was a nurse that I worked with who was also on vacation, and I could not place her because it was so out of context. And being confused about the difference between past and present. So very different. Now, people that are, and by the way, I see some taking pictures. Feel free to take pictures. And at the end in the Q&A, if you want me to go back to another slide so you can come close and take a picture or whatever, that's fine. So uh, when I was born, there were about 35, 40,000 people known in the world who were 100 years old. In 2020, there were almost 600,000. The fastest growing demographic in the US is people aged 85 and older. They figured out the secret. So what kills us? What prevents that? It's heart disease, it's cancer, it's stroke, it's Alzheimer's, it's influenza, and it's suicide. In fact, in 2019, the WHO listed the top 10 health threats. Five of them were infectious disease related, and one in particular, and they couldn't have known that the pandemic was gonna start just a few months later, was what's called vaccine hesitancy. So people are not getting their vaccines, and that is leading to morbidity and mortality. This is one of those areas where they've developed, you know, it seems like there are two segments. There's, there's the devotees of CNN and the devotees
let me just say, neither of them have it right, okay? Medical science would not fit into either of those camps. But people incorporate that information, they make assumptions, and it becomes established fact in their mind. And then the scary part is they operate and make decisions out of that, those uh, incorrect assumptions. Okay, so people often think they know when their knowledge base is incomplete. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I sat with a patient, and you know I'm a pretty patient person. I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk to me, right? I mean, I figure if somebody wants to talk to you, that's a privilege, right, and an honor that they want to talk to you. And I spent about 20, 25 minutes. Most doctors would never have the time to do this, but my practice is different. Uh, patiently explaining, you know, what this virus was, why it was important to get a vaccine. And after I was done with that, she said, well, thank you, doctor, but I don't think I'm gonna do it. And I said, I'm curious why. And she said, well, my neighbor said her brother had a bad reaction to it. <laughs> okay. You know, no appreciation for expertise or lack of expertise, but accepting something just said off the cuff as fact and then operating from that as if it was fact. The nature of human psychology is to reject data dissimilar to what our belief is. And this results in a lot of unnecessary pain, suffering, death, and bad effects. I've watched it as a physician for um, 43 years now. And I, I'm often grieved by it. In fact, so grieved, if anybody's interested, I wrote and published a paper called The Day That Jack Died. I just tried to pick a generic name. And I went through how this man made decisions based on completely inaccurate data, and it cost him his life. I should, uh, okay. So people make decisions in, in a variety of ways. One is, it's a Greek word, heuristics, that means rules of thumb. So they come up with quick, easy rules of thumb. And some of those help us. For example, if you get off the train at midnight in New York City and somebody's approaching you, you automatically assume that that's dangerous. That's a good heuristic to have under those conditions. But that same way of making decisions when it comes to financial decisions, for example, would be potentially disastrous. Other people make decisions by emotion. And a very, very few people, it turns out to be less than 5% of Americans make decisions based on data. I've tested about 30,000 MDs and PhDs. And it's true even at that level of education. It seems to be the way we're wired. Well, how you make decisions I hope you can appreciate, has major ramifications for the outcomes of your life. So what I need you to do now is take out a pencil or pen and paper. You can use the little pieces of paper in front of you on the chair. But I, I would like, please, to ask everybody to do this. It will be more meaningful if you actually do this exercise rather than just watch. Okay? Now little bit of a snide comment because I say it to my students all the time. 
What does it mean when you come to a lecture without pen and paper? <laughs> There's there no chance I'm going to learn something I didn't know and that I have to remember. <laughs> All right. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put a slide up for about three seconds. I want you to draw exactly what you see. Don't look at your neighbor's paper. Don't giggle. Don't do anything else. So you're going to see the slide for three seconds. I want you to write or draw exactly what you see. So whatever you see up there, duplicate it precisely on your piece of paper. Everybody clear on that? All right, here we go. saw as best I could draw it on a slide of the black outline of a diamond and written in there, Paris in the spring. Okay, look around, everybody. Raise your hand. Look around. That's what's not there. Now, you're gonna, you got it? Well done. Let me, let me go back in case you think I'm trying to fool you. Okay? This was pulled on me as a student when I was taking a course at Harvard. And uh, <laughs> I'm not from the East, so I always kid them. But at Harvard, at this course, the professor did this with an overhead, and we said, no way. Pull out the other overhead. He got us. Now, this is not to make anybody feel dumb. It's to say that I stopped my talk gave you precise instructions five times in an environment of trust. Nobody, I hope, is dramatically sleep-deprived or ill or unfed or scared or anything. I mean, pretty much ideal decision-making circumstances. And I showed you about five or six words There's a couple of the women that got it because I see them doing, doing this to their husband. It, it says this. Our brains are wired. First time I saw this, I got it wrong too. So don't anybody feel dumb or bad, okay? Our brains are wired. This was a heuristic. Who ever heard of Paris in, in the spring? So despite the directions, despite eyes to see, and the time to look at it. Your brain rejected the data and formed its own opinion so strongly you were willing to put your hand up in public. There is a lesson in there about how we make decisions and about how we're influenced by things. Okay, the other one is what's called the ladder of inference. We were taught this at Harvard too. <clears throat> this is, and, and you can see it for yourself, but we start at the bottom rung. There are realities and facts, even when we can't see them. 
we, we take our belief by faith, right? I can't show you scientific evidence. Actually, I believe I can for the existence of God, but right? We, we believe. It's faith. Then what happens is people morph that into what's called selected reality. What do I prefer to believe? Okay? And most of that, to, to, this may surprise you, has been formed for you by the media outlet and the things you read. They shape your desires for what you buy, where you live, where you go on vacation, how you vote. I know it doesn't seem like that. You, you feel like a free agent. Turns out it's not true. Because most Americans don't make decisions based on data. Therefore, they can be manipulated. And they figured out how to do it well. AI will make this even worse, despite all the great things about AI. Then what happens is you reinterpret reality based on that. Then you make assumptions, draw conclusions, develop beliefs, and then act on those. All right. So with that as background, now we get into the meat of it. The reality of brain health in the United States. All right. You can see uh, these are brain MRIs. Adolescent, young adulthood, midlife, and then Democrat. I mean, older uh, adult. I'm just playing around. There is a normal shrinkage of the cortex or the gray matter of the brain over time. That doesn't necessarily equate with a change in intelligence or ability to learn. You may learn slower. For example, I am finding it much harder to memorize at this age than I did in medical school. I mean, if, if I could stack up all the books we had to basically memorize in and we had to go through them in weeks in medical school. I couldn't do it today. I, I just couldn't. Now, these are CT scans, so a little better resolution. So if you look on your left-hand side, that is a normal brain in a young person. You look on the right-hand side and notice what's happened. There's atrophy of the brain and volume. This is being, that degree is being defined as normal or somewhat normal. And it need not be. It's just like 95% of you have uh, uh, dental caries, or at least you've ha you have a filling. That's not normal. It's common, but that doesn't make it normal. Same with this, because what happens is people age in our society. Again, not true in other societies. They stop they stop learning. They don't go to classes. They don't do a lot of things that would prevent that. Probably the thing I know uh, best would prevent that happens at 9 a.m. in that room every Sunday. <laughs> All right, I want to look at the leading causes of death again. This was for 2022. Notice, despite the popular culture belief about COVID, number three cause of death last year in the United States. Now here's what happens. P 
people say, and I would do the same thing probably if I were a lay person. Five weeks ago, I had COVID. Really wasn't very bad. The medicine was worse than the disease. But that's because I'd had a bunch of shots and you know, I take care of myself and everything. So the temptation would be to say, you know what, COVID wasn't so bad. It was like the flu. But that's not true for other people. It's not true for people with certain genetics. And they don't realize the complications that occur for the next year or two as a result of that infection. Um, accidents, stroke, Alzheimer's. So we're going to talk about some of these. So every 40 seconds in the US, somebody has a stroke. As I showed you, it was the number five cause of death. 80% of stroke is linked to underlying cardiovascular disease. Here's something, here's one of those assumptions on the ladder of inference. I hear this every day of my professional life. I feel fine, doc, nothing's wrong with me. You understand the assumption there? Because I can't detect it, it must be normal. But that's not the way biology works, right? Until you have, it just started happening to me in the last year, until you start having hip pain, you're completely unaware, unless you had an x-ray, that since your 20s, you've gradually been developing arthritis. Okay? If you knew it in your 20s, we could biomechanically change things about your gait and other things to perhaps delay or prevent that. So you see the idea there. 